everybody to another episode of Clock Radio Speakers. I'm your man, Armand. Ah, I always do that. I'm your man. It's your man. It's your boy. I'm in the building. Why do I do that? God. Rapper Clock Cliche Radio. 101. I know, man. And I always get mad at other people for doing it. ClockRadioSpeakers.com. Uh, search for us on iTunes. Uh, DPS Radio every Sunday from 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Follow me on Twitter at Armand, A-R-M-O-N-D, Wake Up. Joined by my man, Doc. There you go with my man again. And this is... Uh, <laughs> Oh. We need like a sound effect I could play in the background when you do rapper cliches. But um, everybody, <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter at Doc underscore Beats, S not a Z. Make sure to use the hashtag Clock Radio Speakers when you uh, want to chat about the episode or get in touch with, the, get in touch with us about anything else. So um, what's going on, man? Not a lot, man. Not a lot. Um, I mean, there's not really much going on in, in, in hip hop, right? No, not really. No, not really. New, uh, new J. Cole record. How is it? It's not bad. It's not bad. Not He's not rapping on his own beat. He's rapping on a beat that sounds like something that he did, but somebody else did it. I don't know if that's really the point of what my, what I was trying to say in the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, the beat is actually dope. They flipped the uh, David Ruffin record. Um, oh, which one? Not, I don't know. I don't know the right. name of it. I know he's talking about gonna have to listen to it. something like that. Yeah. Now I'm going to have to listen to it. Yeah, it's, not it's, one not I, it's not one I've, I flipped, right? No, nah, I don't think uh, so. I was going to get real mad. No, no, no. Because, you know, so. I, I somehow have ownership over beats that like five people have heard. That doesn't make any sense. Um, <laughs> no, as a producer, you know, I got like so many hundreds of beats nah, in the stash. Yeah. I hear someone else sample something. I'm like, oh, man. Especially That's- when they do it worse than you. Or even worse in a similar way. Like they take the same part of the beat and they flip it. And I'm like, oh. oh, yeah. I dig it. Well, it's, it's not bad. Couple of couple of struggle bars, but he had a, he had a couple lines. It's cool. Struggle um, bars is that the is that the sliding scale that we review uh, rappers on these days? How many struggle yes. bars do they have? Yes, you know when you're a rapper and you really want to get a line off, make sure that the line preceding it is either safe or good. If you do something like real bad just because it rhymes to try and stretch it, I know you can kind of play with words and stretch the English lang- English language a little bit, but you know, don't, don't do it too much. Cause it's never good. It's never, ever good. Ironically, ironically, we're, we are today, we're talking about somebody who stretches the English language a lot. I was going to say, that's a good segue, man. You've been practicing. Yeah. 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 I'm learning from the best. I'm learning from you. You know what I'm saying? Trying to, trying to step my, my transitions up. But we're um, talking this week about Eminem. Marshall Mathers, yes, Spe- sir. Specifically, the part of his career when he was um, drug-addled mm-hmm. and had demons and had problems. Because um, no offense, when dude went away, cleaned his life up, came back, he got real predictable. What about... um? Real predictable. Because we're talking about... We're, we're going to end around 2004. But what about... um? What was the one before... Um, what was it called? Recovery? Yep. What was the one, what was that called? Relapse? Yeah. There was, I, there was recovery and then, I forget. No, nah, it was relapse. Then it was like relapse. Yeah, and then like recovery. Or something like that. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, like how was, I, at that time, 2009, I was done with Eminem. Yeah, so, so the, the, whichever one of those two dropped in 09 was, um, sonically, it was basically Dre trying to recapture what he did 10 years earlier in 2001. Really? But it's just a bad imitation of it. Um, uh, not understanding 
you know, one of my favorite recurring themes in this podcast is what lessons I need to shut off my Twitter client. <laughs> Did y'all hear that? Anyway, um, is to uh, so one of my favorite recurring themes is what do rappers and producers and everybody else in the industry learn from like their careers that go on. And Dre apparently has learned that the only way for him to make a beat involves the same horns and strings and everything yeah, else that he did in 1999 and nothing else. Yeah, I'm looking at the production credits. This entire album was produced by Dr. Dre. Yes, sir. Wow. And then on the on the one on the one year later, that's when he had Not Afraid, and he sort and he had that just god awful No Love, <laughs> which is just offensive on like a personal level for me. Like that's so bad. Uh, oh man, how do you get? You know what? I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go on a limb and say that I liked No Love when it came out. But I remember I you talking I, about that. Yeah. yeah, I like No Love. But how do you get whack beats from Just Blaze? How does Just Blaze do one, two, three beats? You get DJ Khalil doing one, two, three, four beats. You got Havoc from Mob Deep. You've got Boy Wonder. You've got Emil. And instead of bringing them to your level, or instead of bringing you to their level, you bring them to your level and they're all like murky, depressing, you know. Well, that's really interesting. So this is good. I'm glad you brought this up because when Eminem gets in his sort of in the prime of his career, and I think it'll be interesting to hear what you think the prime of his career is. But when he gets into the prime of his career, the beats, I don't want to say they stop mattering, but they become – how do I put this? So – some rappers, when they are so good technically and when they are so skilled, they struggle with beat selection. My favorite one to pick yes. on, of course, is Nas. Nas. Right? Where he doesn't – you can tell that he does not want to pick beats that overpower him. Right? Hmm. That, that is the nicest thing I've ever heard somebody say about Nas's beat selection. I'm, I'm pretending that he makes a conscious effort to <laughs> pick beats that don't overpower him and in the process just picks bad ones. And – I'm going to say that M had beats so – I want to say so whack that they were good but so simplistic that they just kind of got out of the way. Um, it, once we get once we get into like the 02, 03 era of his career, there's pretty clearly like two or three types of Eminem songs mm-hmm. that he just keeps sort of replicating. Now, to his credit, he's replicating them very well. And right. a lot of artists and producers when they're in the prime of their career, they do have a couple identifiable styles, right? You saw this with early Kanye where he had a couple different types of beats that he would do and then he would just sort of not recycle them, but they were certain like – they were certain blueprints, you know, no pun right. intended. It was this is my <laughs> this is my soul beat with the, you know, with a chipmunk chorus and everything else. This is – Congos, bongos. Yeah, exactly. You know, and he sort of – and I think Eminem sort of gets into that. And what really made me realize that – we're going to talk about this later – is when he starts dissing Benzino and – Yes. Um, the two songs I could think of, Nail in the Coffin and The Sauce, those are the yes. two, sonically speaking, those two songs are the template for that part of his career. Mm. Okay. Right? They are a little different, but they if you listen to those two, you they're two sort of different ways to deal with his flow. So from a nerdy producer standpoint, it was really interesting to me here the beats that he raps on and how his flow adapts to it. Mm-hmm. And as his career progresses and he gets into that prime, he starts adapting the beats to fit his flow, right? He mm-hmm. gets those beats, that, like that, the, the, 
I would call them weak, but the little like barely even their drums that like shuffle around because it's the idea is to get out of the way. Right. Mm. We're going to talk about all that. We're going to, we're, we're going, we're going nerdy. So yeah, you, you started off nerdy. Okay. This is what we're doing today. All right. I'm saying, man, um, I'm down. I'm down. Let's, let's do it. Now we got to get, I, I want to start by, by just getting it out there. You are not the biggest fan of Eminem. No. All right. I want to sort of get that on the table. <laughs> um, yeah, this this won't be one of those podcasts that we just like gush and awe and fawn over, you know, how, oh, my God, this song is incredible. This is amazing. I am. I will say this, though. I am a fan of certain parts of his career that we're going to talk about today. I'm not a fan of relapse recovery Eminem. Yeah, but, we're not we're not we're not even going there. We're not going. Yeah, there. we're not going there. But earlier parts of his career, yes, I, I was a fan of that. Okay. I'll say that. All right, that's fair enough. Um, so, so do we really even need to talk about anything pre aftermath? No, I mean that story's been running to the ground. Right. Infinite, Rap Olympics, blah blah blah. We can just go straight into the Slim Shady LP, actually. Yeah. So, the Slim Shady LP started off as the Slim Shady EP, right? right. Um, and they took parts of that. Well, let me get let me get 100 percent accurate here. So, in case some Eminem fanboys listen to this, I want to make sure I get this right. So <laughs> he took some of the better tracks from. Um, well, actually, really, he just took "Just Don't Give an F." Um, is that really it? Never mind. Um, just the two of us was 97 Bonnie and Clyde. Yes, that's right. Well, it, it gets it gets uh, he stretches that out and. Um, you know, he ch- that's a, I believe it's a longer version. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. All right. Well, that's sort of, if I, yeah, if I had is on there. Yep. I think it's just those three. If I had just don't give an F and, um, just the two of us. That's right. Okay, that's, that's right. Um, but this album is recorded. So this album comes out at the end of what? End of 98, beginning of 90, at the early, early 99. And my name is drops at the very end of 98. So this album is really recorded. 97 and 98, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yep. And the thing that really jumped out at me when listening to this is how unusual it is to hear the non-Dre beats that aren't good, right? So the non-Aftermath-ish beats, there's some good ones mm-hmm. and there's some really like generic struggle, like <laughs> 97, 98 beats that are like a C quality. Like they're just not that good. You those know, uh, those uh, those underground lyricist lounge. This is lyrical schmiracle beats. This is the poorest mixed. <laughs> this is the worst mixed aftermath album I've ever heard. Yeah, and that's clearly because Dre was not around for the for all of this recording. Right. You could. I mean, you could just tell. I mean, just listen. Listen to like the sound quality on some of this. Um, right. The other thing that really caught me about this is, first of all, it's way too long. Just yeah. entirely too long. Um, skits, though. Skits and, you know. One, two, three, four, five, six. Six skits on a 20-track album. Which is actually normal. For this it's, era? It, sure. It, it's, yeah, at this point in hip-hop. Yeah, this is normal. Um, w- were there any standouts for you from this album? Go on, did you, you went back and re-listened to it? Yeah. <laughs> you don't sound too excited. No, because I wasn't a fan of Eminem during this time. Okay. Um, this, but I will say this: this was a this was a time where I was introduced to a lot of his older stuff. You know, yep. the the Swain Tech stuff, the um, Bad Meets Evil stuff, Scary Movies, which was retarded. 
Um, but I liked uh, Guilty Conscience. Yeah. Um, that was dope. Um, 97 Binding Clyde, just the two of us. That was dope. Uh, if I had is okay, and Rock Bottom is cool. The rest of it, I'm cool off of. Uh, lyrically, Bad Meets Evil is retarded, but um, that's to me, that's one of those lyricist lounge. Oh, I like that beat a lot, man. Raucous, you know, what's the word? Natural elements. Natural indelible, elements. Indelible MCs, like. Athletic you know. Mike League. Yes, yes. The arsonists, like those, those that batch of underground. Oh, so Lyricist Lounge Volume One. Yes. So not for yeah, not not oh no, Nate Dog Volume no, Two. No, no. So I, I would have picked different songs. Um I like Guilty Conscience. I um I really like Role Model. Um okay. it's clearly the beginning of the Dre Mailman sound. Mm-hmm. Um I like Just Don't Give an F, Bad Meets Evil still don't give an F. Um I like I like all those beats. But there's a lot of stuff here that's just whew. I mean, you can hear it like, see, I'm, I'm a fan of early Eminem. So you can, you, I mean, you can hear that, you can hear that he's really talented, but just, yeah. it's just not all there. I, I totally agree with that. Um, what's really astonishing is the transformation between this and then what happened, like how big of a leap he makes real quickly. Yes. Um, so th- this album drops early 99 at the same time he, I'm trying to think what else he had. Oh, there was the um, he had the joint on sound bombing. Yeah, he had any man. Any man. Um, he had the joint, the Missy, the Missy joint. You're right. He was on the second album. Yeah, and he kills that too. Yeah, he does kill that. So um, he's starting to, you know, he he and, and I told I should have went back and listened to that Missy joint. Man, you, I can't believe you picked something I forgot about. Um, <laughs> so, but at this time, it's still Eminem rapping over what I'll call somewhat traditional beats. Now, the only thing I'll say is. A lot of the beats on here, tempo and drum-wise, they are traditional hip-hop beats, but they're very sparse. Um, specifically, anything by the Bass Brothers. Um, yeah. It's really just like a bass guitar and some drums on like half these tracks. Yeah. Which gives it – I, I think this theme sort of plays out a lot where for a lot of these a lot of these album Eminem tracks, the beats are – I don't, and this pains me to say, but they're almost – there's parts of his career where they're just not that important. Yeah, but I, I agree with your assessment where you said it, it, it gets, it's really, when he hits his stride, it really doesn't matter. Because you're so in tune to what he's saying, you know, the be- kind of doesn't matter. And the best part about this, which we're going to talk about, is that he does like a Jedi mind trick on the rest of hip hop and convinces them to take his style of beats even oh though they God. can't rap like him, it's just ridiculous. Um, uh, can I? Are you going to give me? Are you going to me? An, are you? Are you going to throw me an alley oop so I can talk about how bad the cross is? Can I do that? <laughs> yeah. I know we already did it on the Nas podcast. We can talk I'm just about it. Reiterate. So, for most people, after, so first of all, some shitty LP blew up just ridiculous. Yeah, my name is was retarded. Um, going back and listening to my name is oof. Um, it's I mean, a little tough all, to listen to. All those, all those singles. Well, and when we talk about like lessons learned, like what do artists take away? Clearly, I don't know if it's M or I don't know if it's the label or something, but someone took away, oh, we need to have the cartoonish first single to the point where later on in his career, it becomes a joke. Like where Eminem yeah. tries to be almost like meta about it, where he's like, hey guys, look, it's my first single. I mean, when he makes songs called my first single. Right. So it's either he's trying to be cute about it or there really is that pressure and he's acutely aware of it. 
Right. So I, I this is not a classic. This is nowhere near a classic. And I, we need all. to be very clear about that. There, I think I think there are more. I, I like more of this than I think you do. Probably. Um, especially towards the end. I, well, that's, I don't know. Yeah, you no, really I don't, don't like the beat on Bad Meets Evil and still don't give an F and just don't give an F? Like No, because remember the Bad Meets Evil, it was almost like a, a CD single or like an EP and it was like Bad Meets Evil and it was Scary Movies. Yeah. Sc- scary Movies was just so, oh my God, to me that I didn't even know. So I kind of, right. you know, subconsciously compared the two. And, All right. and Scary Movies is incredible. So during the success of, of Eminem and, and this album, you've got Dre recording his, his 2001 album. Chronic 2000. First, it was called Chronic 2000. Right. Then they had to change it to, then it was Chronic 2001. Then it was just 2001. Right. Um, I'm, we're not going to talk too much about this, except to say that Eminem's appearances on here are fantastic. Absolutely. Um, what's the difference? Man, listen. Man, yo. Listen. The first time I heard it, yo, I remember where I was the first time I heard that song. <laughs> like those horns were like, oh my God. And then at this time, Exhibit is like, he's almost there. He's yeah. one of those, he's one of those ones you just kind of like put your hands on your hips and shake your head at because I don't know what happened, but he was right there. Well, we talked about this before we started recording, so I'm gonna t- I'm gonna bring everybody back in on again real quick. There was a couple artists who were closely tied with Aftermath, but not specifically signed to Aftermath at this time, who looked like they were about to blow. One was Exhibit, who kind of did blow a little bit. Yeah, he did. He did. And then um, Royce the Five Nine. Yes. So Royce the Five Nine does not appear on this album. Um, that being said, on 2001, he was supposed to. He, of course, had sort of a falling out with Dre. The story goes his manager or something was talking about what Royce was doing for this album in a magazine. It's in the source. It was in the source. You know better than I do. Um, And, you know, Royce's contributions got cut. There's an original version of Explosive called Way I Be Pimpin'. Um, There's another one, something about The Throne Is Mine. or I forget what it is. Oh, I forgot about The Throne Is Mine. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, see? Um, (laughs) So... Royce is sort of around, and I personally, I think that's really unfortunate. Um, he had, I think, two sort of opportunities to, to blow um, with regards to being hooked up with Aftermath. You know, he had his, he could have been on 2001, which I think would have been a really good look for his career. And then uh, I actually saw Royce live in concert in 2001, the year, not the year this album came out. Um, and he was opening up for, this is, this was a great lineup. It was Sticky Fingers, um, Royce 59, and Nelly. Um, Wait a minute. Time out. Pause. Hold on. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Was this was this Kirk Jones Sticky Fingers? Yeah. Wow. Okay. That was a great concert. Actually, Sticky Fingers puts on a crazy show. He um, climbed the rafters by the side of the stage and shook them from side to side while the, he had the crowd singing the chorus to slam acapella. Man, wow. Was, that was great. Um, okay. And Royce did a, a bunch of songs. So this is when Boom was blowing up, and he did a and he did a number of songs that were very clearly Dre beats, or we'll just call them Aftermath beats. We're not even going to go into who produced what. Um, very clearly <laughs> Aftermath beats, um, one of which he, I wish I could remember the name of it. It's a long time ago. He announced that this is this is my first single. Uh, Dre produced it, and the song was crazy. And it would have made, I think, his career would be totally different at this point. 
Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, Exhibit, we thought he was going to blow, and he kind of blew. But when when he finally got his first big album with Aftermath-like beats, it was kind of weird. You know, he had, like, the lead single from Scott Storch, but not the actual, but not a real, quote-unquote, Dre beat. What album um, are you talking about? I'm talking about what? X. That that album. Oh, Exhibit. Oh, Exhibit. Okay, I thought you still talking about Royce. My bad. No. And then Royce, of course, doesn't really get a real album with those sort of beats on it. Right. It's terrible. Okay, yeah. Who did? Hold on, hold on, hold on. The Exhibit album. Yeah. The first single was... X. Dang, that was Scott Storch? Yeah. It was Scott Storch. That's Restless, I, yeah, right? Yeah, though, yeah, Restless. And that was actually that one was dope at the time. I listened to it a few months ago. It's terrible. I take that back. So X is apparently apparently X is produced by well, it says Dre, Mailman, Scott Storch, but that's a real clear Scott nah, Storch. Nah, that's nah, that's Storch. So actually, the best song, my favorite song on there, it's it's a Knotts beat, and it's crazy. It's you know. I don't remember that one. Man, that beat is crazy. Um, that's a I forgot about this album. Oh, yeah, he man. had. Uh, Oh, Dad, don't approach me with Eminem on it. This yeah, is- don't approach me. It had a get your walk on. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <coughs> uh, alcohol. Front to back was dope. Front to back yeah, was alcohol- all right. Front to back was a little overrated, but you know. Oh man, you're crazy. This was, was yeah. This was th- that was vintage Rock Wilder. Yeah. This was the Rock Wilder. Rock Wilder. Yeah, we, we don't need to talk about Rock Wilder. <laughs> um. Anyway, so the <laughs> I like how we're talking about Exhibit right now. So. Um, Eminem is he's writing on this album in in places, right? So he's got credits on The Watcher. Um, he's got credits on. Let's see, I'm going down. Forgot about well, well he clearly. I mean, he write he rhymes. I forgot about Dre, but he really obviously writes Dre's first. Yeah, definitely. Um, let's get high. Let's get high. Is he anywhere else in here? Bang bang. Oh yeah, bang. and bang bang. That's a great beat. The beats on this is. I just want to say real quick, for people who sort of have forgotten because Dre sound has gotten so predictable and generic, when this album came out, it blew people's minds. Unlike anything anybody had ever heard. November sixteenth, nineteen ninety nine. I mean, it's same a, day as same day as Raekwon's Immobility. <laughs> I don't know. I had a choice. I had the choice to make because I like Live from New York. Live from New York was dope. Yeah, I was like, dang, what should I get? It's unfortunate because, you know, this is 22 tracks. We're talking about 2001 still. And you could trim that to uh, a real dope 15-track album, like an incredible 15-track album. 1.5. Well, you know. Um, I don't know, but at this time, do you even want to do that? I don't know, man. I'm, I'm th- why not? I mean, I did a 1.5. Well, I did a 1.5 that combines the Eminem show and 8 Mile. Okay, well, that's different, though. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but like 2000, I mean, 2001 is so engraved in, in hip hop culture and engraved in all of our lives. It's almost like, even though I probably don't listen to most of the second half of the album, like the, the last few records. Yeah. Like, you know, I still at least want to skip them. <laughs> you know what I just I remembered? Mean, Remember at the end of Forgot About Dre? Did we talk about this when we talked about great two part um, videos? There's the Hitman I think we joint. Talked about it. I think we talked about it off air. Yeah. There's the Hitman joint. Um, this is when we thought Hitman was going to be next up. Um, and we also forgot to say at, at the end of the next episode, uh, next episode video, there's a, uh, there's a little breakdown beat that plays too. Oh, what was that? They, they, they never used that beat. I don't think so. Yo, remember the, um, remember the Dr. Dre Coors Light commercial? 
Yeah, that beat is crazy dope. I looped that it's up, hard. remember? I know. I was I was just trying to rap to that beat for like three years. <laughs> so the only thing we I really want to say about this is M, M's already taking a leap up here, right? Definitely. Him on what's the difference? Yes. And forgot about Dre. It's I think I don't think that's I don't know I don't know if that's really aged as well as I wanted it to. Just it because hasn't. I've heard that song so many times. And, and it's so the, so awkward to hear Dre rap that way. And you've played out the uh, the Napster remix. Stop it. <laughs> um, so right after this, so following yeah, this up, comes in, out this comes out November, and right after this, in um, May of two thousand, we get the Marshall Mathers LP. Um, and you know, with Slim with the Slim Shady LP, there was "My Name Is" as a first single, but. His real sort of tradition, at least for me, of having that stereotypical attention-getting first single really kicks off with the real Slim Shady. Right. Um, and this was, I mean, for him, this that single was a real big crossover success, too. Yeah, like, well, you know, at this time, the, um, the goofy first single hadn't got played out yet. Of course, it works so well on My Name Is. Sure. You kind of have to do it again. Yeah, um, get the TRL to get the TRL crowd, which he was ironically so against, you know. But but these type of records were perfect for that type of show and that type of audience. Yeah, you know, this album is really interesting to me. Um, it's better than I remember. I was not a big fan of this album back. Oh man, you're crazy. See, um, <laughs> so I, I kind of want to run. I almost want to run. I don't want to say track by track, but so starting at the top, um, it's immediately apparent, like this, that this is going to be a descendant of 2001. Yes, yes. Um, but it's it is tweaked. You know, um, the album's almost divided into halves. Like the first half is more aftermath than the second half. Except, except for except for you know be pleased too which you know is the most like stereotypical dr dre beat in the history oh of i mean <laughs> but um i want to talk about stan talk about stan um the third single um well let me ask you so at the time when stan when stan was out how did you feel about stan i love that song all right that song was dope from the beginning i think uh, stan i think stan is an amazing song it is it is. So beat-wise, it's not that complicated. It's a Dido sample with a very big bass line and some crispy drums. It's a, that's a, that's a breakbeat. Exactly. It's Mark the yeah. 45 King. I mean, who, yeah, Mark the 45 King. I mean, for, for most people our age or younger, if they've ever heard of Mark the 45 King, it's because he did, um, that, hard, that knock, hard, he did hard Knock Life. Well, no, he did Hard Knock Life and Stan. Right, 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 right. Um, hey, y'all know about the Ed Lover dance? They know the beat, but they don't okay. know that that's him. DJ Cool, let me clear my throat. Well, exactly, but you know, there we go. but they, hey. but, but they don't. I mean, people, if if you play that Lover Dance music, like people are gonna know that, but they don't exactly. You know what I mean? They probably associate. Well, I don't even know what they associate that with these days. That's scary. We're old, um, and that's cool, oh. but that's fine. <laughs> but um, but Stan is ridiculous. So yes, it is. You know, so that's track three, but kind of I'm not counting the intro, or whatever. Um, this is 
at this point in time, this is by far the best song he's in his career. Just not even a question. Yeah. Um, but he but he has he has two records. He has two records on here that are very close. Well, I, I want to. We're gonna get to that in a second. Then. Um, okay. The video for this was great. Yes. Um, I'm trying not to gush over the song too much. I'm trying to like really temper it back. So, <laughs> sort of give 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 a look, give the give our audience sort of a uh, an MC focused perspective on this, right? What he so. <sighs> go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead, go I ahead. mean, what I was gonna say is, it's not easy to coherently to like. I mean, this is four like long verses. There's a lot of stuff here. Yeah. And from Eminem, you never really heard this type of storytelling before. Nah. I mean, kind of, sort of on 97 Bonnie and Clyde. But this is way better than 97 Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like you heard what you didn't realize and what, well, I say what we didn't realize was that you kind of saw the seeds of him being able to uh, be open and honest with himself and his surroundings. Yeah how he felt about them, how they affected his life. Um, I don't think he was so focused on how to get over that. I think that wasn't until like recovery, but he was very cognizant and he had a, a, a very uh, uncanny and interesting and creative way to put all those things together and into his music. Um, and Stan difference with that stuff is that a lot of that, you know, you can draw 97 Bonnie and Clyde from his personal experience. You know, it was about his kid and, you know, beefing with, you know, his girlfriend, wife, mom, whatever. Um, but Stan is totally, I mean, I'm sure he probably experienced something like that or saw it, you know, with his newfound fame. But a lot of that stuff, that's that's a story. Yeah. That's like a straight story with chapters and, you know, the detail of it. Yeah. You know, when you first hear the song, you can actually a good story is something that you can read or hear and then see it in front of your face or see it in your head. This song was so vividly detailed without being overly detailed that it just it played out perfectly. Yeah. And you didn't even realize that it was four verses and that it was seven minutes long. You didn't care. Yeah, I was listening to this in the car the other day and I. I we get to the fourth verse and I look at my phone I'm like, how long has this song been going on? You know, and we're like five plus minutes in and I'm like, wow. Yeah, man. You know, great use, yeah. of, great use of sound effects, like just from a like sonic point of view, it's not a super complicated beat, but again, it's the details that matter. Sure. Um, so I don't, it's, uh, the rest of this first half of the album, I mean, I, I really just like the way I am. I mean, who knew is what, you know, it's cool. Yeah, who knew it was cool? But I mean, look, you've got two skits. <laughs> so you, you know, really all, all I don't, you got is I don't mind some of the skits that M does. No, his no, he doesn't really like the King Kniff joints. Like Eminem's skits are never really overbearing. They're usually really short and to the point. Yeah. Except the one on Uncore when he was when he had the thing and he was talking about Michael Jackson. Yeah, that's just way too much. Yeah, it was too long. Um The Way I Am is really dope. That's one of the songs that I think is close. So yeah, that's, I really like that, but I don't know. To me, Stan is just much better. No, Stan is amazing. All Stan right. is amazing. But the way but I am is great. The way I am is is you know at this point number two, and and that's a sort of you know. So he gets the production credit on that, even though I'm pretty you know, the Bass Brothers sort of helped. Another you know he has people helping him. Obviously, M's not M's not you know producing those. He's not, not he's not playing every instrument. 
Oh man, I don't. I still don't believe. <laughs> you you're just waiting to slander that. Um, yes, I am. But um, you know, with the way I am, you're sort of getting the first real sort of glimpse of when of Eminem making a beat that really is custom fit for him and his flow. Yes. Not rapping over uh, the stereotypical, you know, 99, 2000-ish Dre beat. Not rapping over sort of the sparse, bass-focused Bass Brothers production, but sort of a uniquely Eminem production. Um, right. Yeah, right, because this doesn't, you're used to hearing, at this point, you're really used to hearing him over a certain type of beat. Yeah. And the way so I am is, the way I am really, like, sets the groundwork for what sort of comes later. Yes. Um, remember me, you know, I... I, I remember that song being better than I remember that song being better than what it is now. RBX and Sticky Fingers, they just that their verses have not aged well. Um, no, because remember, 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 people used to say that Sticky had the best verse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. This is serious, man. Yeah. Um, what else do you like off this album? Um, I'm you said cool. You man. said there was another one that was close to being one of his best. Kim. Really. Kim, no. <laughs> Kim is retarded. Kim is retarded. I mean, story story wise, lyrically, it's a really it's a it's a strong record. You know what I'm saying? As far as content and in detail, and I mean, you know, to kind of put anger, you know, because an emotion like anger is so, you know, I don't want to call it widespread. I don't know what the word I'm looking for, but to kind of like consolidate anger and then still be able to kind of do the MC rapidly rap thing. Um, that record is dope. And I, and I like criminal too. I think criminal is dope. So be pleased too. it. Do we have to talk about, I just want to talk about, first of all, I like, I like this song. I, I At just, the time it was dope. I just want to talk about how much it sticks out like a sore thumb. Like it's so out of place. Right. Um, and didn't Snoop had an album that came out in the, in, in 2000, right? The last meal. <laughs> Yeah, the last meal. Couldn't yes. they have just given that to him for? I mean, did he? Did did this really need that song? Like it's, uh, um. Yeah. But this, I mean, so if the Slim Shady LP, I mean, people thought that blew him up. This album, unreal. How many did he sell first week? Like one point. Yeah, like one point five, I think. One point seven six million the first week. That's retarded. Um. A four-week total of three point six five. That's retarded. <laughs> and this is when everybody was selling. However, nobody was selling like this. No, that's just crazy. Unless you were just, you know, in sync. I think in sync was probably the only only other person, right? Yeah, NSYNC, all those Brittany, boy, Christina. Band, boy bands and everything else. Like they they were selling. They were selling a lot. Yeah. Um. So you want, you want to say anything else about the Marshall Mathers LP? Now we can move on. I, I don't want to feel like we're giving it short shrift. Like, so this is this is definitely better than the Slim Shady LP. In eons and miles ahead of the Slim Shady LP. All right. I've already said that I didn't like that album yeah, so yeah. much. So. so next up after this, he, uh, he's he got the Devil's Night uh, D12 album. Yeah. <laughs> you really don't even want to talk about that, do you? No, man. There's some, like, good, there's some good songs on here, man. I, re I just remember... God, I just remember hearing Purple Pills in the club. Purple I mean, Pills is dope, man. Purple Pills. <laughs> that beat is nice. <laughs> I, I used to like um, American Psycho. 
used to. That was, that was my joint. That's Mega Psycho and um, what's the other one? Pistol Pistol. Pistol Pistol is good. Um, the Dre beats on here are real interesting. This is sort of when he's in that. Um, it's when he's like trying to figure out how to evolve his sound. So mm-hmm. he's like layering ever increasingly crazy sounds. Like um, a lot of these beats, uh, like Nasty Mind and Ain't Nothing But Music, sort of remind me of. Um, remember that song, uh, Knock. Nocturnal. Yeah. Well, the song yeah. Knock, though. Yeah, he had the song called Knock. Yeah, 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 which isn't even a Dre beat technically, but um, it's really pretty much the goofy. same thing. I, I really, I really like that beat. Um, and that's a that's when Dre's beat, and we see this, and we'll see this again on um on the Eminem show, which is coming up in a little bit. Um, his he's trying to figure out how to, like what else to do with his sound, right? Dre mm-hmm. is where mm-hmm. at first he could get away with because as much as we really like um the beats on two thousand one. It's not like it. That is more of um, those beats are more like just perfectly executed. Yes. Right. It's not that there's just insane like stuff on top of insane stuff. They're not overly complicated. They're actually a lot of them are just really simple but very very well done. Question: Does yeah. Dre have any in your words show off beats? Sure. <laughs> um, where he's just sort of like where he goes into Dre mode and um. Yeah, like, I mean, you could you sort of argue. Sure, I mean, you could talk about like actually, Nasty Mind is a really good example on here. Okay. Um, where it's like, I'll give you the Dre formula, and then all this other stuff on top of it. <laughs> um, but I think it's harder for him to do sort of the show off beats because, first of all, he's not a he's a he's more of a Quincy Jones producer than a like Just Blaze producer, right? He gets there behind the NPC, and he's got his musicians doing stuff. It's not like he's sitting there like trying to flip sam- like because his career isn't really built off of flipping samples in that sort of like just blaze or even three mile or whatever way. Okay, that's what I'm saying. So yeah, it's not <laughs> no believe me, he samples a lot. But because he's his career isn't built off of that sort of thing, then it kind of he kind of doesn't fall victim to that, you know? Yeah, I dig it. Um I forgot about uh Ish on You. Oh they yeah. didn't even make the album, but it was like the buzz single. Yeah, um yeah, so fight music. Fight music was dope. Fight music was dope. With a real with that with a uh, gritty, you know, pretty gritty video. Um, man, American Psycho. So I just gotta say that. So I realized that M's talking. He's just talking gibberish on it. I'm more <laughs> than okay. I'm more than okay acknowledging that. However, his verse is amazing. Technically, that verse is just unbelievable. I don't even know yeah. what to say. And I love that beat. Unfortunately, everybody else is yeah. on it, and then it's just it's like. That's my problem with the D12 album. Is well, sure. That just, it's just too many. I mean, I didn't. You know what I didn't realize? How bad Bizarre is. Oh man, he's really bad. I didn't realize. I mean, like I remember back then, like yeah, you know, Bizarre was always the the. He would say something crazy, but like you know, you know. But I mean, jeez. No, it's he, it, it's bad. Uh, but I mean, the rest. I mean, even even look at. We can even talk about the. Uh, how did the sound evolve of uh, Mr. Porter? Yeah, so, well, Mr. Porter, he was on the Slim Shady EP. So he's been around him for a while, obviously. Um, obviously, everybody on D12 has, but he sort of really gets his big start here, right? Yeah. Um, his, you know, I, I don't know at this point how much uh, Mr. Porter is producing with Dre, but... I, I can't really say that I could clearly say, okay, this is the Dre Storch sound and this is the 
Mr. Porter sound like there. Nah, I don't think that was until later. I think this might have been one of those instances where like Porter was probably playing Dre beats and Dre was like, oh, you're kind of nice. And then he kind of because his sound really didn't get real Dre until later. I don't know. I mean, instru- well, I guess, I guess so. But I don't know. He, his beats are like cool on here, but they're I don't know. I'm not, I'm not like blown away by anything. No, not at all. Um, anything else you no. want to talk about from, from Devil's Night? No. <laughs> I just want to get into the Eminem show, so. This is your favorite Eminem album? Yes. I didn't realize how good this was. What's amazing is it really could have been a lot better. Yeah. What, um, what, okay, what do, you, what do you think? What did it need to do to be better? Well, so it's real. I want to talk about this and 8 Mile at the same time. Okay. Um, so they were both clearly recorded around the same time. Yes. Um, in fact, 8 Mile was supposed to come out in the summer of 02 originally, and it got delayed. Okay. Um, so if you sort of think about it in, in terms of that, like basically post Devil's Night and then right up until early to mid-2002, Eminem is recording this huge mass of music. Yes. Right? Um, I, I, like self- and, also, and also dealing with G-Unit because this is the early – Sure. I, I, I selfishly sort of wish that he would have approached the eight mile soundtrack, how Prince approached Purple Rain, right? To make oh, that wow. be like, this is my personal, this is, this is my moment, this album, like to make the eight mile soundtrack more of just an Eminem album, right? Uh, if you can take the best of what's on the Eminem show and Eminem's really, Eminem's, all of his tracks actually are, are good on eight mile, but yeah, um, to take those, put them together. And um, I might need that off you, son. And I did this on Spotify. Um, you know, you can, and I'm still slimming it down because it's still too long. But if you if you took his tracks off the Eight Mile soundtrack and then tried to fit them in with this with the best stuff on the Eminem show, not only would it, I mean, first of all, the Eminem show is already Eminem's best album. But I don't think the Eminem, I don't, I don't think I can call the Eminem show a classic even though it's really, really good because there are just some glaring flaws. Yeah. But not a lot though. Yeah, I know. But he clearly had the makings of, I mean, not just a class. I mean, not like a classic in the sense of we call lots of things classic, but like it would have been an incredible album. Incredible album. Yeah. I agree with that. It, it, he, he was so close. Now, thankfully we all have the internet now and we can all sort of put stuff together. So I think um, that's what I'm going to do when I'm, when I'm, when we're done with this show, that's, you, that's actually a really good idea. Um, I mean, I yeah, you can go, you can go on my Spotify. I've already started the work. Um, okay, <laughs> but uh, but let's. So the first single from this, for, well, let's talk about the Eminem show first. Um, first single from this is "Without Me." Without me, yeah. Um, the classic. Now, now at this point, now we're like, oh, it's an Eminem single. Yeah. Um, more specifically, it's an Eminem first single because he's clearly sort of proved that okay, my first single is going to be cartoonish, and then I get serious in the later singles, which he does again. Um, Absolutely. This again sold 1.3 million, which First is week? yeah, which is super impressive considering this is 2002 now. Mm-hmm. Um, that's I mean that's just astonishing. Um, so, what did you think of without me? You know what I'm trying. I was trying to remember if I liked it back then. I just remember during that time I had, that's when I used to do blends. So when I think of Without Me, I just remember getting the acapella and putting it over a bunch of random instruments. I think I put over like a Miss Jade beat and like some other stuff. So, I mean. Oh, man, Miss Jade. Know. Her album had some joints. Man, she. Count, count it off. 
counted off was retarded. I think Jay, I got that Jay, beat Jade the Champ. Oh, Jade the Champ. Are you serious? That beat is crazy. Wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> My bad. I'm going to go on spot. Yo, every time we do this, I always like, you always remind me of some song that I need to go back and listen to. Dang, I used, Jay, to, Jay I used to listen to Jade, that Jade the Champ. It's listening to that all the time. Timbo was just showing off on that album in he a good was, yeah. way. In a good way. Yeah, I agree with that. All right. Anyway, let's go back. To- <laughs> yeah. So Eminem without me. Yeah, it was cool. Would you? Would you? Which one out of the out of all of his? You know, without me. Without without me is the best one. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay. It. You. Know, I forgot how up tempo this song is. All of them. I mean, Slim Shady was pretty up tempo too, but this was faster. This song is like flying along. Yeah. Um. No, I like this one. Um, I like okay. without me. I, I really like this album a lot. This is like I said, stuff of my favorite Eminem album. But um. So that came out, you know, it's funny. My, one of my biggest memories from this album, this is super uh, computer nerdy, but um, remember uh, I used to run an FTP? Remember that? Yeah, of course. Cool. So, I, yeah, I know. I'll never forget that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, I got in trouble with my, with my university at the time um, because I mistakenly left the FTP wide open. Um, someone had put the Eminem show up on there because oh. I, I, let, I let certain people like write as well as read. Uh-huh. Um, so someone put it up there. I left it open for like the whole weekend because I went, I went away to like my, my family or whatever because I, my family lives close to here. So, right. um, I went away to see my family, come back and, um, I had used up like 15 gigs of bandwidth in like a, uh, I don't know, like a couple hours or whatever. And wow. the bandwidth limit on campus was five gigs for a week. Um, wow. so once they, you know, I got, I was down to like 56 K speeds for like the rest of the week. It was, it was harsh, man. It was harsh. Wow. People, um, People really – I mean, this album was a big deal when it came out. Um, yeah. So right off top, White America. Um, White America, can we – Oh, go you, ahead. You and I talk about intros. Yeah. This was a very definitive intro. Mm-hmm. When we talk about classic intros and, and, and impactful intros, we don't really talk about White America. But I believe White America needs to be thrown into that conversation. Okay. You think it's Along that with, good? Yeah, along with the Dynasty intro and, you know, um, what else? B intro and, you know, the G-Funk intro from Doggy Style. I mean, yeah, like the timing of it, what he's talking about, the energy of it, everything. It's, it's, it's a retarded intro. Yeah. Um, you know, we talked about how on Stan, it was, it was evident that Eminem was sort of, he, he had some perspective on what his fame meant to his fans right and we it's funny can you believe we've gotten this far into an eminem podcast and we haven't even talked about race um yeah that's yeah. impressive we're, we're pretty deep in um there we go so you know eminem's not the first white rapper he's clearly the most successful white rapper ever and more specifically he's a white trash rapper if you will he comes from a very specific subset of um america right um which is, and when I say white trash, I'm saying that to, I'm not trying to be derogatory. I'm, I'm, what I'm really saying is poor white people, right? Which right. sort of, I don't want to say it gets forgotten sometimes, but you know, this notion that there is a certain subculture of, you know, of just, I guess, you know, poor, and of, uh, of poor white America, um, which is, Different, you know, there's all sorts of different subcultures in America, right? We, we could go not even just by race, but by social class. I mean, all sorts of stuff, right? But, sure. and there's all these things that go along with it and that are rampant with it. You know, there's things like, and a lot of these things are, um, 
you know, sort of stereotypical of, of lots of, of poor communities, right? Where you've got broken families, you've got substance abuse problems of whatever types. But, you know, at the time, specifically with sort of poor white America and type of drug abuse, right? Where it's pills and it's all, and it's the sort of prescription um, based uh, abuse that I think as the 2000s wore on sort of became not just a white thing, but a, but an everything thing. But, um, mm-hmm. but at the time he was speaking to a very, specific section that um, had never really, you know, had not really um, heard that out of rap before, mm-hmm. right? Rappers have talked about drugs for ever, for a long, I mean, go back to Grandmaster Flash, right? I mean. <laughs> yeah, definitely. The message, yeah, absolutely. But that was talking about drug use in a very specific community. And mm-hmm. we could do a whole other podcast on the rise of white suburban males specifically liking hip-hop in the 90s right there's a let's, whole other thing about that let's right? do it <laughs> I, i'm uniquely qualified to speak on it. okay yeah let's um, do it. but uh but you know they were they were attracted to hip-hop for other reasons this is a case where you had an incredibly unbelievably successful rapper who first of all has ability isn't 100 percent a gimmick right right he's actually talented but he is specifically speaking on things that the sort of subculture had never heard out of hip hop before. Right. And this album really goes there yes, um, in a way that his, in, in a more serious non cartoonish way. And there are some cartoonish songs in here, which I'm going to, I'm going to diss in a minute, but to me, <laughs> like I hear this song and it just reminds me so much of parts of it remind me of my relationship with my father. Parts of it remind me of, you know, spending uh living in, poor southwestern Oklahoma when I was in high school, um, you know, just that culture, um, so what drug, you know, sort of how drug abuse is and, and that sort of thing. And, and this album like hits home for me in a way that I had totally forgotten about. Wow. Um, okay. Like seriously, like that, for, we'll, we'll talk, oh, I'll talk about this when we talk about Sing for the Moment, but like seriously, the first verse on Sing for the Moment, that's, that's, that was, that was my childhood, man. That's, you know, so that's like, this album like hit, like emotionally hits home for me in a way that, um, despite all of its flaws, I, I totally forgot about. And that's really stereotypical to say, oh, the you know, suburban white kid who grew up on hip hop, you know, you know, feels well, yeah, that way about know- an Eminem album. But you know, it, again, like, I, want, I don't want to say he's getting conscious in, in the sort of sense that you always hear, especially from older hip hop heads about how they wish that rappers nowadays were more conscious. But it's sort of like, it's ta- it's talking about serious topics and not just in a gimmicky, here's my one serious song. Like, like there's a lot of serious songs in this album. I'd say the majority of it is is serious. Um, and White America starts that off. I agree. I agree. But you never hear about the, um, you always talk about the the white white suburbia, white America. You always hear about them, but you never hear from them. So it's kind of like the hip hop community just kind of says, well, they listen to or, you know, they listen to hip hop and they buy all the records. So you got to cater to them. But, you know, you kind of got to get to know who you're catering to before you can kind of determine what they want to hear or what they want. Um, So to actually, you know, be not just catered to, but be the voice of that sect. That's a big deal. And that's really interesting that this this album hits home for you like that. That's really interesting. Um, yeah. What else, like what else does it for you? So how do you, 
business is all right. I'm not really a huge yeah, fan. Yeah, no, nah, I'm cool off business. That song hasn't aged well. That's, that's a B-grade Dre beat that has not aged well. Yeah. Clean it out my closet. Retarded. I remember when I first heard the song, and it was the trailer to 8 Mile. And the first huh. trailer to 8 Mile that dropped, I think in late 2001, they used Clean It Out My Closet, which makes a lot of sense. Like, how did how was the song not on the 8 Mile soundtrack? It's I don't the, know. It's about that movie. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah, that, but that's, that's what I'm talking about when, I, when I'm saying that, to me, the two projects are so closely related. Uh-huh. Um, now, I don't – now, there might have been real reasons in terms of, like, you know, maybe he or had already recorded enough songs or whatever the case might be. I mean, I don't, I don't fault Interscope and uh, Aftermath for doing what they did because, let's be serious, the Eminem show sold a ton of albums and didn't need the tracks from 8 Mile, right? So they were right. able to use those tracks to sell – another million you know all, all these other millions and millions of albums so i, I don't from a business I, I don't i don't fault them for that but from a music fan point of view i'm being selfish about it and you know he could have he could have taken those tracks from a mile he could have eliminated some of the fluff and some of the um silly tracks if you will well, some look, of them i mean and then know. and then he could i mean this would have been just a ridiculously cohesive album yeah you know, I mean, they had to, you know, they had to fit the Macy Gray song on the soundtrack. So, you know, some had to go. Well, in the Boomcat song, <laughs> which I didn't even realize was one of the chicks from the movie singing. That's terrible. Um, what? Home from from what movie? Eight from Mile. Mile? Yeah. What chick? Taryn Redding or whatever her name. I can't think of what, what role she played in the movie. But yeah, she's oh. she's the female vocalist on Boomcat. Okay. Oh, uh, we'll, we'll talk. About, we'll talk about Eight Mile a little bit later. Um. What did you think about cleaning out my closet? Cleaning out my closet was retarded. Yeah. So it was retarded. This is, you know, now we are really hearing like, even this is an Eminem beat clearly, and this is now. You remember at the time people were a little take. I don't even know if you call these drums. They're like, um, they're, it's definitely Where, percussion, right? But where's my snare? Where's my snare? Um, but uh, this is custom fit to his flow. Yeah. Do you think? See, to me, this is where he hits his his peak, his apex. Yeah. Well, to this me, is like the Eminem show in Eight Mile, it's just yeah. It's this. Yeah. It's this peak in you know mid to late two thousand two. Yeah. I mean, even something like Square Dance. I have to be in the mood to hear Square Dance, but it's lyrically, dope. <laughs> yeah, like you, it's one of those things where you hear it. You, I mean, it, maybe it's its placement on the album. Because you're so, I mean, business is thrown off. You've got White America and Cleaning Out My Closet, two amazing records. But then in between that, you've got Business and Square Dance. Business was nah, but Square Dance kind of suffers from uh, sequencing because you hear that that bass line and you're just like, oh no, you're al- you're already thinking this is going to be the um, a silly Eminem song, and he's you know aside from the hook, which is kind of silly, he's spitting on it. He is, yeah. His flow is, is real good on this. Um, yeah, he's spitting. Now, my problem with this album is the next like four tracks. Whoa, 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 whoa! Soldier and Sing Goodbye Hollywood. I'm really cool. Uh, they're boring to me. Are you serious? Let me tell you, I do not. And maybe this is because I'm white. As a white male, I do not need to hear another white male rapping about how he's a soldier. Could you be more stereotypical? I'm white and I, have a, I wear a backwards hat and I've got big headphones and I'm listening to hip hop and I'm a soldier. Shut up. Like for real, like that song 
I just see the song title and you know it's funny because the beat actually isn't even that bad and I'm actually but I just can't get past the title. Oh man, man, you're crazy. That that beat I mean, but you know what though? I'll say this about Soldier. This is around the time where I hear where you hear songs, because this is when mixtapes were really popping, were really getting getting there. And you kind of hear some of these records, Soldier, Sing for the Moment, um, Till I Collapse, and you hear the mixtape versions of these songs, in particular G-Unit with Soldier Until I Collapse. When I hear Soldier, I'm not used to Eminem's hook. I'm hearing, I'm used to hearing G-Unit and hearing yeah. Banks on that. Yes, actually Soldier, that beat would be much better. That beat is much better suited for, for G-Unit, personally. Yeah, they killed that. Um, Say Goodbye to Hollywood, I, I don't like it all. Oh man, that beat, that song's crazy. And Drips is useless. Drips is retarded. That's probably the worst song on the album, other than something at the end. We, oh, I think we're gonna disagree. So, um, we already talked about Without Me. Yeah. Um, so go sing, ahead. Yeah, go ahead and go and sing for the moment. I love Sing for the Moment. Love it. This is one of them. This is this is one of my favorite Eminem songs. Wow. Um, the the sample's perfect. The verses are. I, I really like. I just. Yeah. I, I don't know what else to say. Like this is this is one of his best songs. This is he has around this time period. He has so many. You, we now, you know, they are referred to as stadium records. This right? is definitely a, yeah. And this album has a number of stadium records. I agree with that. Um, and if you combine this with the Eight Miles, I mean, there's a lot of stadium. This is like, <laughs> um, I love Sing for the Moment. How do you feel about Sing for the Moment? I like it. I like it. Um, I agree with everything that you said. Um, I think it's one of his best songs. When I think of Eminem, like these aren't the songs that kind of jump in my head. Yeah. But that's just a personal thing. But I definitely understand. See, my I like the Joe Budden version. And that's just because, you know, my, my standard for Joe Budden at this time was at an all-time high. It was at an all-time high. It was, it was ridiculous. But that doesn't take anything away from Eminem's version that, you know, this is one of his definitive records, that it is a stadium record, the Aerosmith sample you know, the drums, the, the content, everything was just dead on, spot on. There's nothing that you could do to make this any better. Superman's terrible, right? We can yeah. agree. Yeah. And this was a single. I mean, no offense to Dina Ray or whoever she is or whatever. Has she ever, has anybody ever, I mean, has a song that she's been on ever been like good? No. What happened to the other chick who was signed to Shady? There was an, I don't even know, man. Yeah, no, I'm trying to think of her name. Oh, what was her name? Was it was it Esther? Was it Esther Dean? Was it Esther Dean? Was it? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. There was a girl signed to Shady. Yeah, is she? Oh no, she was signed to. Um, no, she was signed to Tim Timberland. Oh, she was on yeah. Nowhere. What was her name? Yeah, 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 Kylie Dean. Kylie Dean, gotcha. That's what I'm thinking of. Oh man, Nowhere oh, with the. Uh, with the and um it, with the out with the outro that up from the advance how it turns into it, um um uh cry me a river thank you that's so incredible yo so let me ask you this though better better album because these kind of came out around okay <laughs> I, I i like that bubba sparks album it's 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 sort of so underrated but then that it's but then it's people overrated. sort of kind of talk about it being underrated that it almost becomes overrated but it's really dope, but let's be honest. Bubba Sparks is just not nearly as good of an MC as Eminem is. He's actually pretty good, though, and I, I still maintain to this day that he completely washes Jadakiss on that Rough Rider song. Oh, yeah. Okay. Part of, oh, yeah. part of it is because 
he his his flow like becomes so used to being on Tim's beats. Jada just doesn't even know what to do with that beat. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I love that I beat. That's one of my favorite. That's one of my favorite sort of forgotten Tim beats. Wow. Um, remember, remember that. Do you remember that freestyle? I don't know if you were big on mixtapes back then, but they had a when Funk Flex was doing those like big truck series, and they had, <laughs> and, he, I know. and he'd be yelling people pull over on the on the Long Island Expressway. <laughs> but they had Fabulous got on that the the they ain't ready beat, and then um, yeah, Bubba Sparks got on um, what was it? No, 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 Fabulous, no, no, Fabulous got on. What was it? Fabulous got on Ugly. And then somebody else, Bubble, got on like one of Fabulous's beats or something like that. My favorite, my favorite Fab verse over at a Tim beat is his verse on the remix to Oops Oh My. I, I always, I, I just like Joe Budden's version. <sighs> Joe Budden and Paul Kane. Sorry. Paul Kane. <laughs> Paul Kane, Mugs, Triangle Offense. Wow. I was first in line to hear that album. How'd that work? Never rumor, rumor, rumor has it that there's, there's, they're coming out with a uh, clues coming out with a, 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 a tape. Because the world's waiting for that. Yeah, I mean, you know, if he if he keeps the tradition of a classic clue tape and he doesn't do what he did in the later years and just take songs from Boxed In, like take MP3s and scream over them, if he actually gets exclusives, which I don't know, you know, how tangible that'll be. Exclusives. Yeah, that's a whole other. We could do a whole other podcast on the the allure of exclusives and what happens when you chase some and then what happens for djs and what happens when that goes that's a whole other topic um let's do it how do you feel about Haley's song um you know what i like Haley's song it's because you're a father no it's not because i'm a father <laughs> you defended it's, that Nas song i did defend the Nas song but i defended <laughs> the Nas song because i'm a dad okay i'll no. take Haley's song before um what was that Haley's song or not Haley's song that destiny song it's no terrible. i'm good no, nah, Haley's nah. song's not bad, but it's, it's not, not bad. It's not great. No, I, I'd agree with that, but it's not. It's not horrible. I, I kind of like when the music stops, except for D twelve. <laughs> yeah, when when the music stops is dope. The beat, I like the I like that beat. Um, yeah, but I, you know, yeah. If I was like real serious about doing a one point five, and I wasn't just doing Spotify, I would I would that slice. Would be I would be, I'd be slicing them off. Yeah. Yeah, that would be an Um Say what you say. So at the time, people talked about this because Dre's this and um, JD, right? Yeah, and then I forgot Timbaland was at the end. Oh, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, uh, the song is too. The song is too long. It's also not that good. This is a plotting Dre beat. Like it just drags on. <laughs> it really does. Um, <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. It does. It does. But I mean, like the. That's what I'm saying. It was like three and a half verses because it was an M verse, a Dre verse, hook, then another M verse, then I think another. Like they go back and forth for three verses. It's a little unnecessary. Yeah. So they should at least, you know, a 16 and an eight, two 16s and two eights or something like that and call it a day. Not, it, it was too much. Why is 50 Cent listed as a writer on Till I Collapse? Might have did the hook. Think so? Yeah, I wouldn't doubt it. That, that, that makes sense. Um, oh, but he's not on this. Never mind. I think that's just Wikipedia being stupid. Yeah, that's just Wikipedia being stupid. Um, so let's talk about Till I Collapse. Okay. I love this song. Yeah. I know I know, I know. know. G-Unit has a very memorable rendition, but um, from they took to, uh, 
I realize it's just the We Will Rock You, but you know, yeah, that clap snare, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, the re- the We Will Rock You. This is yeah. the this is the definition of a stadium song. Yes, it is. The song's fantastic. It's one of my favorite M songs. Yeah, this is one of those walk down to the ring. Um, the new Mission Impossible, the new action film is about to come out, and this is what you use for the trailer. I'm sure this song has made him a lot of money with sure. all the um, with sure. all the um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, what happens when you sell that? I'm drawing a blank. When you sell your music to companies and stuff, and they use it in commercials, yeah. licensing. I'm sure this has made it a lot of money from him through licensing. But yeah, this song's dope. Apparently, the "We Will Rock You" interpolation isn't credited. Yeah, that's interesting. But how, can you? How has Queen gone? Have not gone after that. Yeah, but can you? Can you? Um, can you trademark a drum pattern? Because if that's the case, then Dre should have sued Kanye for "This Can't Be Life." Because you think it bites explosive. Yeah, I mean, he, no, I don't think Kanye said he bit explosive. Yeah, I thought I read that somewhere. I, you know, yeah. I, I don't think he bites explosive. I think he's inspired by explosive. Nah, it's the same drum. Doom, doom, doom. That's the same drum pattern. It's just not the same drum, so it sounds different. Yeah. I don't know. But Anyway, I love Todd yeah. Collapse. Great. Yeah, Todd Collapse is dope. All right, so we're going to disagree on my dad's going crazy. You like this song? Yeah. Okay. So when we yeah. talk about, so you want to talk about a Dre beat where he shows off? This would be one of them. Okay. Where he's, this actually, I, do you realize how much this song sounds like the beat to knock almost? <laughs> Speaking of knock. Yeah, it does kind of sound like a, like a stripped down version. What, you know, how they have like a skeleton of a beat. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And they build on it. Yeah. I, I, I didn't I, think of that. I sure like, right. I like my dad's going crazy. Okay. You don't. No. What is it? The writing? Is it the beat? Yeah, it just, it just doesn't really. I mean, you know, of course, <laughs> you think that I would defend it because no. you know he's doing a song with his child. But nah, I'm just not. I'm not. Again, this this may suffer from sequencing, mm. like business and square dance, because you you go from when the music stops, say what you say, and then till I collapse, and then you end with my dad's going crazy, and then curtains close. Like nah, this this would have this would have better suffice with uh. You could, you know, eight mile road or something. Well, yeah. Again, that's that that is the closing track on my one point five. But um, I think it is. It should be. It's not. Um. So, before we talk about, well, let's talk about eight mile because they're they're really similar. So, anything else you want to say about this before we move on to eight mile? No, but I just want to reiterate that this this is his best album, and this is like almost is this the apex of his career, like yeah. lyrically and sonically. You might argue eight mile is. But they're so I mean, since just Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Since it's so intertwined, like this era, Eminem yes, show 8 Mile. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, because after this era is what, the mixtape era and then Encore? Well, so, well, there's this and then there's um, Nail in the Coffin and the Sauce. Yeah, I mean, because I'm talking about all those sure. Green Lantern mixtapes. He had a couple freestyles. He had the one where he was dissing Royce 5'9". And- yeah, it's that mid-02 to like late, to like mid-03, to like mid to late 03. But then... I don't know what happened, and then, he, and then it all goes terribly wrong. It, it all falls down real, real fast. Um, so let's. We got to talk about lose yourself. Yeah. Oh. No, 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 no slander, no slander at all. No lose yourself slander at all. Okay. It's just one of those songs that um, it didn't age well because it was everywhere. That's interesting. I, 
So this is obvious. Is this his defining song? Yeah, I would say so. And it, it's really good. It is good. It's really good. Um, it is good. All right. It's um. Can you can you imagine if like you know I when I talk about doing a one point five. The only problem with doing a one point five would be you would sort of run out of you'd have too many songs competing for singles. Yeah. You, or, or or you could just keep you could just you know release like six or seven singles and just play it out. But um, I think lose lose yourself is iconic. Wow. Um. It is. It is, and you know it's actually kind of unique. Like listening to like the way the beat is is structured. Um, the build. And it's it's so kick kick drum heavy, um, like to get like really producer nerdy about it. I, I, you know, there's different ways that you can sort of structure your drums and your beat, and uh, this is not a typical like you know, boom clap, boom boom clap. It's not like it's it's really like driven by like it's a very like it's I don't know, it's not like a driving like bass drum like you know four on the floor like 120 BPMs like that kind of not not that kind of bass drum, but it is clearly driven by, by that sound and that's a little different for him right because if you think of the beats that he produces that are sort of custom made for his flow they often sort of they're very light on the percussion yeah um not in the case but I, of but i don't think he gets into that until he really gets into that until later on like you said with the sauce and eight mile like that's that's when the stripped down beats really take off yeah i mean i don't know i mean clean up my closets you know like melodically, it's not stripped down, but percussion-wise, it's pretty stripped down. Yeah, I I agree with that. Um, you know what I forgot? How much I liked on here is stuff like "Love Me." Love Me's retarded, man. Um, can you imagine "Love Me" on the Eminem? Um, yeah, "Love Me," Eight Mile, Eight Mile, Love Places to Go. Yeah, Places to Go. That was actually so. I never really liked Wangsta. Um, so for okay. me, when I heard Places to Go, I was like, oh, okay, I need to pay attention to Fifty Cent. Yeah. Like to me, that that's the song that really got me like paying attention, and then going back and like listening to like the G Unit like mixtapes and stuff. Right. Um, right. But uh, yeah, but eight. I, I don't want to give Eight Mile a short shrift. Eight Mile is an incredible song. Eight Mile Road is retarded. It it it's almost sort of caught like the first like three tracks in this are just so good. It's almost sort of like it. I don't want to say it suffers from sequencing, but it doesn't get an opportunity to really stand out. Mm, good point. Um, in, play, again, places to go is really great on this. Um, I don't want to talk about most of the rest of this. Because well, rap not, rap game is dope. Rap game is not rap bad. game's all right. Um, eight, so let's talk. When we talk about um, Eminem getting other beats, let's talk about eight miles and running. <sighs> Do we have to know? because okay, that this- is this is what you're going to hear a lot of, you know, in 2002 over the next like two years or so. Yeah. Um, that is a, t- that's a bad beat. Can we talk about why Freeway was featured on this song? Can we talk about the buzz that Freeway had in 2002? He had a big buzz. Yeah, absolutely. He had a huge buzz. Um, this is pre, you know, this when was, When did Rock the know, Mic come out? That was on the, um... It was on a soundtrack. Was it on the Paid in Full soundtrack? No. Or was it on the, um... Oh, man, I forgot all about the Paid in Full soundtrack. Oh, the Paid that's, Full right soundtrack. A, that's right around this time. Yes, it is. Because it had the um, the ROC, the Rock Army joint. It had had a few records. Because remember, Rock Cham- was dropping the. Don't forget Champions. Oh, of course, of course, of course, of course. Um, um and, oh, man, yeah, that's 
Yeah, the soundtrack was dope. It was that great. Well, it was back in the day when remember when Rockefeller was doing those mixtapes, those Warriors mixtapes. Yeah, and they just had a bunch of records. I mean, come on, it had. Um, didn't it have once again it's on on there, or was that on State Property? That was just on State I think Property that was on too. State Property too. Um, okay, I don't remember what Rock the Mic was on. I, I don't want to talk. Yeah, Rock. When is Rock the Mic? I, I don't want to talk too much about Pink Floyd because if we ever do a Rockefeller one, that'll have, we're obviously going to talk about that. Yeah, we're gonna. I am Dame Dash. I, that's why I'm saying we're not going to talk about. <laughs> it. That's the song right. I want to talk about. We're not going to talk about it. Rock the Mic. Oh, that is that's the soundtrack to State Property. That is O2. Yeah, so that's before this. So he, he's oh, blown. that was on the first state property soundtrack. Yeah. So he's so he's getting a little bit of buzz off of Rock the Mic. Rock the Mic, the Hot ninety seven freestyles, um, When I Hunter Hustler. Well, When I Hunter Hustler, that's that's two thousand. Yeah, um, but the, I mean that was his intro. But then yeah. like that was like the whoa. I mean, and, and then even during this time, this was a uh, Nas and Rockefeller. Yeah. Because Freeway had the uh, he had the disc record, the nasty Nas ain't riding on the freeway. Yeah. And then, ironically, "You Want to Be Me" is a Jay Z diss record. That's a really bad song. It is a bad song. So, uh, "Spit Shines" no good. Most of this yeah. is bad. How do you feel about Wangsta? I was trying to remember if I liked Wangsta when it came out. I don't remember liking it. I do remember this is the first time that I heard the difference between a um, an unmastered record and a mastered record. Mm. Because when you listen to the mixtape version of Wangsta, it's very stripped down. It's very um, condensed, compressed. Sure. And then when you hear it here, it's like, whoa, it sounds like a totally different record. Yeah. No, no. Nah. For some reason, I always lump in Wangsta and Focus as like... It was around the same song. As All um, the streets once jump off with 50. Yeah, you know, as um, just those like New York buzz records at the time, you know? Yeah. Um, Focus is... A super stripped down record too. Absolutely, the Rock Kim, the Rock Kim song. I like G Unit's joint uh, over it though. I don't like the beat though. That's the problem. Um, Battle's pretty it's, dope though. Battle, yeah, Battle's cool. It actually aged better than I remember. Yeah, I mean, but you know, Primo. Yeah, and Rabbit Run. Um, Rabbit Run is dope. I think it's dope too. It's, so, is it the worst of the three Eminem joints? Well, I, I count Love Me as an Eminem joint. Okay, because M's on it, right? Um, yeah, it's probably the worst of the four, but that's I mean, really... that's hard. <laughs> those three, those three tracks are great. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to say about Eight Mile? Uh, no. So real quick, I just want to mention. Oh, actually, so let's talk about nail in the coffin and the sauce. Dun dun dun. Okay. Um, and we'll also sort of talk real quick about um the terrible beats that he was convincing people to rap on. <laughs> Didn't he have one with Redman, like I See Dead People or something like that? Yeah. Was that an Eminem beat? I think so. Hold on. Can we look at production credits? Oh, you know what? Hold on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to Discogs. I'm going to look up Eminem. And we're going to look at what songs he produced. This will be funny. Hold on. Eminem. Oh, does it have everything he's produced? Because that's going to be great. Ah, oh, it does. I think. Production. Oh my God, he's credited with 146 songs. How is that even possible? Whoa, whoa! Now he gets, he gets, but that's yeah. All right, hold on. So let's see. Looks like the first one that he did for someone outside of himself in D12 is "Don't Approach Me" for Exhibit. Okay. Um, yeah, that was a big deal because they were like, "Oh, you got an Eminem beat." Then he did "Renegade." Yeah, um, but "Renegade" was Bass Brothers though. Uh, let's see, and then the cross. 
<laughs> that is one of the worst beats of all time. <laughs> I've been listening to hip hop since 1988. And that is one of the worst beats of all time. What's great is back in the old IRC forums for so someone had me loop that up. I remember that because you sent it to me. So bad. I remember. Who was that? Cray. You know the... <laughs> <laughs> I can't breathe. <laughs> All right. Yo. Yo. I forgot. Let me chill because he might listen to <laughs> That's a long time ago, man. Wow. He had beef with Thun. He did have beef with He did have beef with Thun. Um, that's how I got my, my whole start with this, man. Yeah, he got a yeah, but then then spot dissed him. Remember the spot disc? Remember the, the crate disc the spot had? Yeah, remember that song so for like six different beats. A song World Connect. <laughs> yo, yo, I apologize to everybody who's listening to this who has no idea what we are talking about right now. <laughs> uh, yo, put the APB out on DJ Criminal. Oh man! Somebody knows what DJ Criminal is. He had the saving on my love joint that me and Elwin did over the Whitney Houston. <laughs> <laughs> man, DJ Criminal, we we put we put together Soul Volume Four. Yeah, oh, yeah, I, yeah. I thought y'all did three too. I can't remember. I definitely remember four. Four. I think four was the best one. Yeah, four was the best one. <laughs> so anyway, uh, so M produced right. Rap Name by Obi Trice, which is actually dope. But this is still when it's very clearly like, you know. He's got. He hasn't really evolved into his weird sound yet. Um, oh, and then aside we get from aside from the cross. Well, then yeah, and then we get moment of clarity, which is not good. And That's we, number two, one of the worst beats ever. And then we get all that nonsense off the Tupac resurrection thing. <sighs> yep. Now my stomach hurts from laughing, and now my head hurts from thinking of those beats. Thanks, what, Doc. What, Appreciate it. What production did he do on Get Rich or Die Trying? Um, didn't he do Don't Approach Me? I, I assume. Um, oh, he gets co-production credits in some of these. Oh, he produced Patiently Waiting, which is actually really Patiently dope. Waiting, that's what I'm thinking of. He does Patiently Waiting, he does Don't Push Me. Don't Push Me, I said Don't Approach Me, that was the exhibit yeah, joke, but yeah, I was yeah. thinking of Don't Push Me. And he gets co-production credit on High All The Time. Really? Oh, and he gets co-production credit on Many Men. Really? Hold on. <laughs> that's not that's not. He did some joints on Lloyd Banks album too, right? Yeah. Indian Warrior Warrior Part Two. Yep. Yep. Um, Remember Welcome to D Block? He did my buddy off of uh Beg for Mercy, I think. No, he no he didn't. No. 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 Because that beat so? was retarded. No. Did he just get co production credits then? No. no. He stole that from somebody's studio. <laughs> Hold on. on. He he's co production on my buddy. He's co production on I'm So Hood. Oh man, I don't. I don't believe it. Yo, my buddy was retarded. I I was like popping things. That was my favorite one off that. Yo, that June album has some joints on it. I mean, that's that that you know, well, fifties. I mean, you know, fifteen that first June. That's that was a uh, that was really the end of Dre's run, really for me. Yeah, it was. So real quick, D twelve world. We're not going to talk about much except to say, at this point. With the exception of a couple tracks, like I actually kind of like American Psycho too. Um, okay, yeah, American Psycho too. That was the one with uh, was that the one with Be Real? Yeah. Okay, yeah, that one was dope. That that one's good. Um, and I feel like there might be a couple other ones out on here that are right, but for the most part, like the My Band lead single is a giant flashing warning sign, like 
something is really bad. I forgot about my band. Sweet Jesus. Oh, you know, so hold on. We kind of skipped over real quick. We kind of skipped over um, him dissing Benzino. You want to talk about that real quick? Yeah. Um, This this all spawned from, um, remember the racist tapes? Yep. Well, no, that that came out. Didn't that come out after? It came out during. Did it? Yeah, I still have it, I still have the the rip of the source audio CD like the CD that came with that source magazine where they let it all out. Wow, I, I remember that, that. I have that original still like the zip file somewhere. <sighs> Jesus, yeah, I, I need to go to your house and steal that and steal the um, the original uh, blueprint leaks. Oh yeah, yeah, I still got all those. Yeah, I need to get those. Um, but yeah, so you know, Benzino was talking all this stuff about Eminem was ruining the culture. And, you know, what he's doing isn't real hip hop and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it turned into this real big thing. Benzino basically was using the source as his platform to, you know, carry out this, you know, destroy Eminem mission. The 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 articles and reviews became really, really, really biased. And in the process, the source lost virtually all of its not virtually it lost all of its credibility well, um, that I mean, that started with stuff like the Made Men album getting four and a half mics. Made Men album got four and a half mics. Um, what out? I remember hearing about uh, Lil Brother's um, The Minstrel Show was going to get four and a half mics. He made them change it to three and a half, and then they went behind his back and changed it back to four and a half. Can you believe that album got four and a half mics? That album's actually not pretty good. It's okay. It's better than you, listening. You're crazy. <laughs> Yeah. We we can we can do a uh, we can do a Justice League podcast at some point. And if we do a Justice League pro- podcast, all I'm gonna do it that's gonna be almost the equivalent to you doing a Wu Tang podcast. Because <laughs> at that time, Knife Wonder could do no wrong from like 2001 to like 2005. I, I know. Well, you might be stretching that out a little bit. Um, so so yeah. So, so at, at what po- time? But at what point in this beef do they appear on the Double XL cover? The three of them. And uh, is that is it, that is that sort of what starts this? Because that's early O three. Yeah, because at this time Elliot Elliot Wilson was the EIC editor in chief over Double XL, and and just as biased as Benzino was, Elliot Wilson was biased with Interscope, kind of like how he is now with Rick Ross and in, in Interscope. Like they kind of, you know, Interscope owns Rap Radar. Just FYI, that's why you kind of see, you know, their artists get more pub on those on that blog than you know any others, but. Um, yeah, the, the, the double XL cover, the all black cover, they're all wearing all black with white sneakers. And, you know, it's it's basically a G unit issue. They interview. I mean, geez, OB Trice gets an interview. You know, I wouldn't be surprised. Remember when they were trying to sign Young Z from the Outsiders? Like he probably got something to do. <laughs> like they was giving, Young Z. Yeah, they is giving, you know, pub to everybody. So Benzino gets mad, flips out, puts out. Remember the disc record with the fake victory beat? He's no. in the gym. I forgot the name of the song, but he was in a, Benzino's in the gym, like sparring with somebody, and it has like this retarded fake victim so bad. It's still not and, the worst. Di- it's, I mean, to me, the worst diss track ever is Scott Storch. Oh, yo! Nah! Wow! I forgot about that. No! No, 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 no. Can we? Oh, I just want to mention about. I forgot to mention it earlier, but exhibits uh, grounded and freestyle that dissed Jermaine Dupri during the whole "Say oh, What You yeah, Say." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that was dope. Um, so anyway, so back to the benzene. <laughs> oh God, I gotta go YouTube that. It's so really anyway. funny. It's really funny. No, no, I feel so bad for him. You see, you seen? Yeah, him on the, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's crazy. He's not doing that. Not at all. Um, 
So yeah, so Eminem's like everybody wants him to respond. Everybody from June is responding because you know Benzino kind of tag teams with Ja Rule and Murder Inc. and they get all that stuff popping. So you know Murder Inc. and Ja Rule and Benzino and Eminem basically turns into Shady Aftermath versus a whole bunch of different people. And you know at the time Green Lantern's putting out the the Invasion mixtapes, which are really popping, the Rap Phenomenon tapes with Tupac and Biggie, and you know there was a rumor that Eminem was going to respond on. I forgot what mixtape it was, but yeah, it dropped on a Friday night. I remember that because it came out right before I was going to go out that night. And there was the sauce and nail in the coffin back to back. And K-Slay played nail in the coffin like that Thursday night or something like that right before. So we had heard it. But when nail in the coffin dropped, man, listen. It's pretty much shit for Benzino. That was it. That was it. So so those two tracks... um, are the stereotypical like M beats for that time? Um, yeah, that that was the that was really the beginning of what you were really going to see. It was like a pre precursor to encore. Which oh no, hear. see to me that's about that's sort of the last gasp of Eminem to me. That is the last really dope stuff that he did, like consistently. Like so, his to me that that's really just an evolution of his sound on. Um, of what he did on sort of for other people in the Eminem show and like what he does on, you know, the, the, the stuff he did at the time for like Lloyd Banks album and for, um, and for 50s album, like those are just evolutions of that. Right. But what, what happens on D12 and Encore is just, so the D12 album, I forgot Kanye West has a beat on him. On what? On, On the D12 album. Really? If you look at the production list, it really shouldn't be that bad. High tech, uh, you know, Kanye, Red Spider. Um, back when Red Spider was making dope beats. Oh man, I thought that was. I thought he was next up. <laughs> a lot of people did. Between um, the uh, the GTA joint that he did for uh, Royce. Yeah. And Grand Theft Auto Three. That was my joint. Um, I totally forgot about D Twelve World. Yeah. But it was um. Good. But that, that album's completely forgettable. There is just nothing. Yeah, it just, it just doesn't really matter. Um, I'm still tripping off my band. That song's really bad. And that and that's sort of like, so as M's career progresses, he, be, he, t- he sort of gets to, he has the ability to step further and further to, back to sort of see the whole picture. But on my band, he crosses over into like breaking the fourth wall, like, but not in a good way, right? Like yeah. sort of really mocking the whole thing but not making good music as a result you know so and then you get you know nonsense like just lose it ass like that my first single like wait wait wait. we're still in the eminem and benzino you're slandering encore already i I, I was jumping right in is there anything else to say but i mean look m M killed benzino's career what and you know it's weird eminem had a rep at the time for picking on people who couldn't really defend themselves and right i mean Benzino couldn't really defend himself, but he still went for the job. I mean, he went for the knockout blow. He didn't even really have to. Yeah, I think that was bothering him so much because it was gaining so much attention. I mean, you know, I still think, to me, I still think that uh, Evidence had the best Eminem disc. Remember Searching for Bobby Fischer? Oh, wow. I haven't heard that song in a long time. I haven't heard that in a while. I bet it aged really bad. (laughs) But yeah, because remember they did, remember D12 did hit him up. They, they, wow. they recreated, hit him up. Oh, yeah. That was when Eminem became infatuated with all things Tupac. 
Yeah, that was the whole. I mean, that was everybody was doing that. Remember, you know, we talked about with Ja Rule. Who wants to see Pac come back? And the the Hail Mary diss, and yeah, oh. everybody was just obsessed with Tupac at this time. Bad, bad news, man. Bad news. Was this around the time the Tupac Resurrection came out? Remember? Yeah, 03, 04. Yeah, that's right around that time. So that's why. Oh, we didn't. Yeah, we didn't even really talk about. Um, wait, what was the lead single off that? Off what? That Tupac Resurrection with Big. And that Pac. was a uh, that was running because they didn't get that beat. I right? know, I know. Hate, I, I hated that song. Yep. I hated this. That's oh, that sample on the hook. Sweet Jesus. It's just yeah. So can we, can I slander Encore now? Yeah, man. Go <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> <sighs> um. This this is a train wreck of unimaginable portions for if you look at where he was in 02 and 03 I, it's just astonishingly bad wow it is it is arguably drug. the biggest fall off in hip hop history wow seriously wow Can't, this song this album is terrible wow Wow. I mean, you might be right, though. Be and that's only because Eminem's fall was so because he was so high. True. But so uh, I want let's be positive for a minute. Um, uh, like Toy Soldiers I, is OK. Yeah, it's dope. It's OK. It's cool. Mosh, I really want to like, but it's so slow that it's almost painful. Oh, man. Mosh is dope. It is. It's so slow. Yellow Brick um, Road is OK. Yeah, it's all right. Um, Rain Man, I have a bizarre like love hate relationship with this beat. With the that song, beat is yeah, that beat, the beat is, dope. is dope. But the song is just gibberish. You got to hear a uh, fabulous is freestyle. Yeah, that. see, and after that, this just falls apart. It's done. Um, so just lose the ass like that. Those are just terrible songs. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I don't really like Mockingbird, but Crazy yeah. in Love, I like. Because I like that sample. That's a dope sample. Okay. Spend some time um, should be a lot better. You'd think. Wow, stat quo. I know. What was that? Remember that yes. stat quo song. freestyle? No, no, wait. The... Didn't he have a, he had that one song that was really great? What song is that? Or is it just a it, freestyle? It was the one on the it was just it was a Dre beat. Yes. So, yes, yeah, but it was, was a just really like rapping. Good, but it was a really that, good Dre beat. Yeah, because remember I rapped over it for uh Wake Up One. Does anybody have that anywhere? Like wake up what, one. Wake is, up yeah, one? is that just gone forever? Somebody in Colorado probably. I'd have to go. I have to go back and, and ask somebody if they have it. But yeah, I don't have it. Um, it's encore curtains down. Isn't technically encore a bad. Is cool. It's not a bad song, but it's not an MM song. Really, that's a Fifty Cent song. Like yeah, in the it sound is. and everything else, but there's some bad stuff on here. Puke, Big Weenie, um, oh, Big One Shot, Two Shot, Never Enough is so boring. It's one of the most. It's got to be the most boring Nate Dogg song ever. I don't even think Nate Dogg. I, I, you can't even tell it's Nate. Yeah. I didn't realize it was him. This is just so bad. Yeah, I agree with that. Remember the uh, remember the three songs that they ended up putting on the like a bonus disc? We Are Americans, uh, Love You American, More, and Ricky Tiki 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 Tiki. Love You More is dope. Yeah, it is. And We As Americans isn't bad. Yeah. And they certainly would have been better than, you know, I mean, so sure, if you replace the three worst songs with those three, this album goes from staggeringly disappointing to unfortunately mediocre. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> but it's still an unbelievable fall off. And it, if you look at not where not just M was, but where Aftermath was at this point, right? Mm. You know, Eminem dominates 2002. 50 Cent yes. dominates 2003. Yes. And then you get this. Well, when does um, when does the documentary come out? Early 2005? Right after this, yes. Okay. So remember, because so this is like the... Yeah, documentary, and we've talked before about how you could, you know, a hypothetical ver version of a uh, 50-second album that doesn't inc that includes the songs he gave away to game would be really incredible. Yeah, it um, would. But, uh, but this is, I, you know, I just don't even know what, what happened here. Um, oh, it's so disappointing. So, it's just... This is like, uh, I'm trying to think of the movie. I'm trying to think of a movie that has a bad ending. Such a bad. It's almost like it's like the end of glory or something where like everybody's just on the sand and they're dead. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think of a hip hop album that can that has a hip hop artist that has a comparable album to album like fall off. I th and I'm thinking about really great artists who had bad albums. Um, what it was written to? I am. I like I. I am. I am is way uh, that no. That's I'm not even close. Yeah. I, so I was. I was almost thinking I am to Nostradamus, but. Nas wasn't at his peak then, right? When, to, when to, is Nas's peak to you? It was written nineteen ninety four. Okay, well, man, <laughs> maybe gotcha. not, you can maybe even argue ninety five when you, he's just killing stuff on guest appearances. Gotcha. Um, but um, what was I going to say? So uh, to see, it's not even just that he's a great artist who had a really good album and then he had a really bad album. Like he's an artist who hit his peak and then just fell off a cliff. And I'm I'm trying to think of an equivalent. I mean. It's not far. I guess the only thing I can compare that with is um, Doggy Style to Dogfather. But ah, that's a good one. But those Buddy. are four years apart. Those are totally different. This isn't that far apart. Yeah. I mean, yeah. even if you consider like Eight Mile and then his work on the early G Unit stuff, and just going from that to this, you know, it's like a year and a year, year and a half, and he just, it, it you know, it's just terrible. Yeah, that's true. So bad that he uh, doesn't come out with an album again for five years. <laughs> but then the album that he comes out with after is worse than this. No, I don't know about that. I'd have yeah. to. Go, I didn't even go back and listen to it. But this is uniquely bad. Re Relapse is bad, dude. Is it? Yeah, Relapse uh, is bad. That's unfortunate. At least, at least, uh, Recovery had a few bright spots, but nah. The one thing I remember about this is you remember they pushed up the release of Mosh. That single dropped. It's not even. It's not even listed as a single from here, which is weird because it was a single. I, had, I remember the video. It was a video. It was a huge thing because they dropped it. They pushed it up to drop right before the election. The election. I remember that was a big deal. Yeah, and I really wanted to like Mosh. Really did. And I, it's not that I dislike it. I really wanted to love it. Mm. You know, because at that time. This album doesn't get released until November 12th, so it probably leaked like a week or two ahead of time. So when Mosh came out, that was only the second song we had heard at that, at this point, right? So Just Lose It, you're like, all right, it's a cartoonish Eminem single, not as good as Without Me, but whatever. But you don't even know how bad this album's going to be at this point. And you hear Mosh, and to me, Mosh is a letdown. Mm. Just in comparison to his other second singles, which have historically always been more serious, 
and right. always pretty dope if you look at his track record. His second single track record, this is pretty interesting. His second single track record is Guilty Conscience, The Way I Am, um, Clean Out My Closet, and then Mosh. And clearly Mosh is the word, right? I mean, sure. so he, sure. he has a pattern at this point. Sure. And he follows that up with the, with the second single that's more serious. But yeah, I mean, you know, this out, um, the only thing I remember sort of this album, I, I remember when, like, when the video for Like Toy Soldiers came out. And people kind of made a big deal over that, but yeah, oh, this is just bad, man. Bad stuff, yeah. and it's an unfortunate, and you know, it's unfortunate to end our podcast on such a, a down note. Um, we did it with Eminem, or we did it with Nas. That's true. That's true. <laughs> and you know, I hate to. I, I'm not going to harp too much on this because I, I do want to. You know, I'm glad that we were able to focus mostly on the really good stuff. Um, historically, where does Eminem fit in to you? Oh man, um, I think culturally, he definitely has a place. Sure. Um, he definitely tore down a lot of walls, broke down barriers, caused a lot of people to step their game up. Um, was around kind of in a time where rapping really good wasn't a commodity. Sure, where it was kind of like you know scoffed against. People were song heavy, hook heavy, beat heavy. You know, this is the time of. Lil John, Neptune, where producers were getting, you know, more more shine than ever before. Um, so you know, you've got you've got Jay admitting that he's dumbing down his raps, like you know, that's sort absolutely. Of, um, actually, that's an interesting thing. So Eminem might ha- he certainly pandered to the mainstream with cartoonish concepts and videos, but but he was actually spitting on those. But he never though. dumbs down his flow, really, does he? No, no, I've never heard a song where I was like, uh, I mean, well, not not a song, but. Um, yeah, you can always at least say that you're at least going to get some sort of lyrical and flow. And, and that's pretty and it, rare to have, he, I'm trying to think, is he, is he the most successful rapper who's, who's never dumbed down their flow to be successful? Gotta be right. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I would say so. I would say so. But it's almost like. It's it's kind of like how Slaughterhouse is now, which is ironic that they're signed to him. Where there's certain artists that the the public expects lyricism from, they expect to be ooh, ooh and odd and wowed by words and rhymes. Yeah. So I think even with even with Eminem and everything, all the intangibles, the extra intangibles of his career, like he still people still expect rhymes from him because people consider him you know to be one of the greatest of all time. Well, that's what I want to ask you. So, historically speaking, not culturally speaking, don't 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 take that way out. Historically speaking, where does he fit in for you? For me, yeah. Honestly, he doesn't. So, let's start big. Top fifty. Yeah. Yeah. Top twenty. Uh, no. <laughs> no. Not top twenty. You can mm-hmm. you can twenty rappers that you think are better. Or had better careers, or what? What is your? What is your? Uh, I'm just curious. It would have to be a preference. It would have to be on just time. that you prefer. Yeah, prefer preference. We'll sure. say that. Um, could it, would he be in a top twenty discussion of all time? I'd say so. But like my personal opinion, no. Okay, that's fair. I, Not at all. What about you? You know, if you look at his entire catalog, it's it's um. Let's just say his album tracks don't hold up, you know, um, because he doesn't have that stereotypical first album classic or, 
really he you know there he doesn't have any album where you can really listen front to back and not skip right so he takes a knock for that but his peak songs are unique and good right they aren't just so you know i he certainly had a distinct sound and he gets credit for me for that yeah um i i don't know where to place him you know, sales, if you look at it, popularity and sales-wise, he, he has to be in the conversation of, heck, top five. I mean, he sold a, a, an astonishing number of albums. Sure. Um, Skills-wise, he, just in terms, like, so from a technical point of view, I'm curious, do you, is he in your top what, technically? Like, just uh, in this, Just from, like, lyricism alone? Lyricism, I mean, but the flow... The rhyme patterns, his internal rhyme schemes, like all that. He's in he if he's top twenty, he's in like the lower he's like seventeen, sixteen. In terms of his actual like I'm so, I, I'm not don't don't say lyrics in, ter- in terms of content. You're trying to tell me that technically speaking, you can name seventeen better rappers than him? Yeah. You wanna start? <laughs> <laughs> Man, I have to do some research okay. and actually break everything down. Like, I don't want to just start spouting names off. I mean, because look, 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 I mean, like from a personal preference, like I'll take, I'm trying to think of a rapper who I might. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's, he has a weird career. I, I really, historically, you know, he, um, his peak come, like you said, his peak comes at a unique time for hip hop. His peak is at a time in hip hop when, to me, I thought overall it was kind of weak. Now, I know you disagree because you hold the early 2000s in high regard, <laughs> right? But um, I don't know, man. Those are some those are some tough times. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean, and it got, and it got worse. The mid-2000s are really bad. I mean, from, from probably 04 to maybe 07, 06, 07, really bad. That's D4L. That's the second half of Lil Jon's career. That's Franchise Boys. That's Party Like a Rock Star. Like, that's. Yeah, but that's also Kanye really taking off, and that's the clip's uh, second album, and that's. Uh, uh, okay. When we do a Neptune's podcast someday, you and I can spend 45 minutes discussing how, how our differences on Hell Hath No Fury. But, um, so finishing up Eminem real quick. Um, I don't know where to place him. I think that when he is on his A game, there, and you're going to disagree with me, there is no other rapper like him. No better, other rapper? I disagree. I know. You Are think there he's, few rappers like him? Yes. He's, he, his, the way that he raps is very different than how Big Pun raps. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's, he's way more polished than Big Pun. It, it's not even that. It's, it's, and for me, it's, it's the way that he, like, the way that his, he's essentially, when he's at his best, he's rhyming sentences, like entire, like, yeah. line after line. It's not that he's just rhyming the last couplet. Like, he's rhyming the whole thing. And maybe I'm, maybe because I'm, I'm not an MC, maybe I'm overrating that ability. Well, I mean, like, you know, Royce kind of exposed what he did. Basically, the way that Eminem pronounces his words, he's able to, he's able to rhyme sure. things that wouldn't rhyme, which a lot of rappers don't do and don't know how to do. That's really dope, though. It is dope. It is dope. So, who do you think? Okay, I, I don't think he's. I don't think he's the best rapper of all time. Obviously. Well, this is I don't why think we he probably. Has... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. You, this is why we probably what 
I said, this is why we probably need to have some sort of like top 10 something Man, do you know how much research we're gonna have to do for that? Not, not of all. I'm not gonna even gonna try and do all time. Okay, you want to do? I like, even tr- You want to do like eras? Yeah, like we could do of the 2000s, the early 2000s, the the late 2000s, the you know the the mid early to mid 90s, the late night like East Coast West. We can really break it down and, and spread it out. Well, no way, no way you can. I don't believe in a goat. I don't believe it's too too way too many intangibles to say this is the best rapper ever. Well, then let me ask you that. I mean. So from 99 to 04, which essentially is the career. I know what you're trying to get me to do. <laughs> from 99 to 04. Who do you put? I mean, how many how many people can you put over him during that time frame? I got to look. Yeah, it's a tough list. It is a tough list, but I got to look. And I believe that I can find a list. Because keep in mind, I mean, that, that era contains some of Nas's worst stuff. It contains Blueprint 2 from – I mean there's a lot of uh, questionable stuff in, in, in these – you know, in, in certain artists' careers, right? I mean this is the rise of Nelly and Ludacris, right? I mean right. <laughs> it's a, this is a, a – it's a tough time for hip-hop. <laughs> yeah, it was. All right. Oh my god. Now, yeah, because yeah, people really thought that Ludacris was – Oh, yeah. Wow. I still have arguments tonight – or arguments with people about Ludacris being lyrical. Don't get me started on Ludacris. I know. We, can we do a Ludacris podcast just so no. I can slander him for two hours? <laughs> That's, I don't think people want to hear that, man. Although, you know, <laughs> um, hit us up on hashtag talk radio speakers if you want to hear <laughs> Armand slander Ludacris. Um, all right. We, I think we've said everything you say about Eminem, right? You want to say anything else? Nah, man. Um, you know, go listen to the Eminem show again. Um, I think that, that that album lyrically and conceptually and even some of the songs off 8 Mile um, don't get the credit. You know, I think that the Marshall Mathers LP is his definitive album, maybe, but the Eminem show is far and away his best. Yeah, definitely. So, um, yeah, we can go ahead and wrap it up. All right. So uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in to another episode of Clock Radio Speakers. Um, obviously, if you agree with us or disagree with us, hit us up on Twitter. Um, but other than that, uh, we'll see you all next week. Is there-